The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1980, Episode 4, You Can't Fight Lightning. In this episode, we will cover the month of July. For the islands of Bermuda, FMZBM 89. In the rain. Give me a ticket for an aeroplane. Ain't got time to take the fastest train Lonely days are gone I'm going home My baby just wrote me a letter I don't care how much money I gotta spend I gotta get back to my baby, my friend Lonely days are gone I'm going home My baby just wrote me a letter Well, she wrote me a letter Said she couldn't live without me no more Listen, mister, can't you see I gotta get back to my baby once more Anyway, give me a ticket for an airplane Ain't got time to take the fastest train Lonely days are gone I'm going home My baby just wrote me a letter The letter from Jack Jones. FedBM 89, weather for Bermuda. Partly sunny with a chance of isolated showers. Our high temperature 86 or 30. Winds will be from the southeast at 8 to 14 knots. Currently our temperature 75 or 24. You're listening to FMZBM 89, Bermuda. June 29th. After spending a little over 48 hours in Bermuda, Yoko decides to leave the island and fly back to New York. With Yoko now back in New York, on July 1st, 
John's composing creativity continued. He would call Ono with more new compositions and, still at times, be frustrated reaching her. That's how he feels. Okay, how about this? <laughs> Save your sweet talk for when you score. Keep your Monday kisses for your old lady. I want the truth and nothing more. I'm moving on, moving on. You're getting phony. You didn't have to let what
How's this? John, pleased with the output of songs, extended his stay in Bermuda. On July 5th, Lennon wrote a song that he may have intended on giving it away. This one's gotta be for Ringo.
also revisited a song he wrote a few years earlier. While adjusting the lyrics, he also felt that this song may be a song he would also give to Ringo. One, two, three, four. This one is probably for Mr. Richard Starkey, late of the Beatles. In the evening, relaxing on the terrace, Lennon and Fred Seaman took joy in hearing a faint familiar Scottish sound, the bagpipes. It was none other than 23-year-old pipe major John Sinclair, no relation but the same name as the man Lennon helped free from jail back in 1972. Sinclair practiced his instrument across the waters from Black Point every other evening to Lennon's delight. 
As John continued to relax with Sean and compose new songs, over in Kent, England, Paul McCartney and Wings continued to rehearse.
On July 7th in America, on the television talk show, The John Davidson Show, a taped interview is aired that features Ringo Starr in Mexico on the set of the movie Caveman. So from the set of Caveman, here is Ringo Starr. Oh! It's The John Davidson Show! And where is he, I may ask? Not here. How you doing, John? As you can see, we're in this cave. 
And we're doing this clip from Mexico City where we're making the movie Caveman. Don't wear this all the time, you know what I mean? And uh, this is Tonda's cave, you'll see him later. And the movie is prehistoric and we've got lots of wild animals in it for you. And also in the movie, Miss Barbara Bog. Here she comes. Remember Barbara, John? February? <laughs> so, what are you doing in the movie? Um, playing the girl next door. <laughs> <laughs> the girl next door. Would you believe it? Family. So, the film... Well, tell them about the film. Well, I don't really start off with the boy next door. I start off with... He'll be coming Tony. later. Oh, later? Okay. And then the boy next door creeps into the cave every night. Well, not every night. Once in a while. I'd like to creep in every night. He throws him out. And then he finally gets in. And then... Then what? <laughs> well, anyway, as you can see, we're both in the film. So is Jack Guilford. Very nice man. And Madeline, of course. His husband. And uh, Avery Schreiber. Avery Schreiber. And Dennis Quaid. Hi, Dennis. Hi, PJ. Blue. Hi, PJ. We have to do this, otherwise they'll be upset. Shelley Long's also in the movie. Now, Shelley, you see, wish she was here. She's the girl that I should have after all. Absolutely. Nothing Tonda. like this lady Kuda. here. Kuda. Shelly's nice and blonde, and she's a Baptist. Uh, oh, there's John. There's John now. Well, uh, John Matusak here plays for one of those teams. He's the baby, really. Wooden hair to fly, right, John? What? Try it, sweet boy. I'll throw it out in your face. Hey, what fun we're having on this movie. What time is it? No, no, no. Five to one, and John Davison's still not here. <laughs> He's in Cincinnati, isn't he? Where is he? Yeah, yeah one of the. Well, Vince said he was somewhere. Mario, let's go. Having dinner. <laughs> Vince is our producer, and it was a very good dinner, Ringo. Ringo will be actually here in the studio with us in a few weeks from now. After wrapping up their bits for the film, the couple fly off to Nice, France for a holiday before beginning work on Ringo's next recording project. On Friday, July 11th, Paul, Linda, and Lawrence Juber leave London en route to Paris, France. There, they gather with Ringo at the Super Bear Studios to begin work on Ringo's new LP. The session for the track You Can't Fight Lightning developed from a jam. The lyric was developed by Ringo muttering You Can't Fight Lightning as the jam grew longer. The session features Ringo strumming the chords on an acoustic guitar while Paul played Ringo's kit. Linda plunked on piano, Lawrence played guitar, Lloyd Green, brought over by Paul for his pedal steel guitar talent, played a slide acoustic, and Howie Casey played sax. Ringo claims the phrase came to him after he was nearly hit in a storm. Whatever you do, you 
here it comes again Here it comes again
breaking the law The monopoly, my philosophy Don't go fooling with private property
breaking away from Ringo's Can't Fight Lightning sessions, Paul, Linda, Lawrence Juber, and Lloyd Green briefly utilized the studio's facilities to record their own track, Linda's unreleased song, Love's Full Glory. Love affair grew into something that was. Changed. 
It was around this time George Harrison's book, the limited edition title, I Me Mine, is released. 2,000 copies are being sold worldwide at a price of 148 pounds each. The book includes all of George's music and lyrics to all of his songs, along with commentary from George. I Me Mine, I kept coming across the um, words I, me, and mine in books about yoga and stuff. I mean, you know, about the meaning of life and the difference between the ego and the soul, you know, the real you and the, you know, the you that people mistake their identity to be this bones and bag of flesh and bones and the ego. And that's really it. I, me, and mine is all ego orientation. But um, it is something which is used all the time. The book's high price is chastised in the Liverpool Echo newspaper. Alan Williams, the Beatles' first manager, quips that the majority of Harrison fans won't be able to afford it. In George's defense, his friend and Apple's past press secretary, Derek Taylor, has this to offer. It's a limited edition. It's not meant to upset anyone. But upset it did. John was deeply hurt by George's book as it mentioned every musician Harrison worked with, but didn't mention or credit Lennon for anything. Also, on page 102 of George's book, George said that the sitar that was used on Norwegian wood was rubbish, an accident. This comment didn't sit well with Lennon. Norwegian wood is my song completely, and that's another thing that hurt me in George's book where he says he didn't count the sitar on Norwegian wood. Norwegian wood was the first yeah. song that ever had a sitar on it, and it wasn't a casual throwaway like George implies in his book. No one's frightened of saying it. Everyone's playing it, coming on strong all the time. All through your life, I'm in mind. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on the island of Bermuda on July 14th, John and Sean went shopping, visiting several Front Street shops in Hamilton. Returning back to his Undercliff home in Fairylands, Lennon admired three portraits by artist Nancy Gosnell that hung on the walls. When he found out that she was spending the summer in Bermuda, John contacted her to commission a portrait of Sean and himself as a gift to Yoko. She agreed. Here's Nancy. He was renting the home of friends of mine, the people whom I first painted uh, for when I first went to Bermuda. They have a beautiful big home on the water, and it's in a cul-de-sac, so it's a perfectly perfect spot for, for anyone who wants to stay incognito and private. And... Um, uh, he rented it as Mr. Green, and uh, even my friends wouldn't tell me who it was. Well, of course, he saw my paintings of their children and them all over the place, and he got the idea, wouldn't it be fun to bring a portrait of himself and Sean home as a surprise for Yoko? And first he was just going to have Sean done, and then he decided he would have himself done with him, which I was fortuitous. And uh, 
um, the minute I heard that, you know, a, a famous rock star was interested in having, I knew immediately who it was because there were rumors that he was in Bermuda, but nobody knew where he lived, and of course, I was, it was thrilling. For the next several days, John and Sean would arrive at Nancy's home on the island, and for each morning, they would position and pose for two hours. She spoke with John about many things from music to fatherhood, but what impressed her the most was Sean, John's four-year-old boy, and his relationship with his dad. It was the most natural, the most beautiful, and the most tender relationship between father and child I have ever seen. A little boy would just melt into his arms, just like a baby does with its mother, or just walk off and run and play. He's a very uh, self-possessed little boy, um, a delight, intelligent, sophisticated, without being obnoxious about it. He just was very naturally sophisticated and, and easy to be with. And I commented to John, what a super little boy, he was only four. And, you know, four-year-olds are usually jumping all over the furniture and getting into your hair. And he said it's because of his diet that he would never let him have any of the soda pop or any sti the stimulants that American kids certainly are fed from morning till night. Any of the junk food, he only drank uh, natural juices and very little milk, um, mainly a, a kind of a Japanese cuisine. They had a Japanese uh, uh, nanny living with them and cooking. When the four-foot by four-foot painting was completed, John termed it the Madonna and Child of 1980. Back in the south of France on July 17th at Super Bear Studios, the McCartneys, along with Lawrence Juber, Howie Casey, and Lloyd Green, worked on the fourth and final McCartney offering. Here's an alternate mix of the track they recorded. I love 
July 21st, having finished their contribution to Ringo's sessions, the McCartneys and their entourage leave France and fly back to London. July 24th. This is Radio 59, WROW, Albany. Comic actor Peter Sellers has died in London at the age of 54. This is Doug Poling reporting on the CBS radio network. Sellers, who starred in more than 40 successful films, was hospitalized on Tuesday after suffering his latest heart attack. Death came early Thursday morning, London time. Dan Raviv has a report. According to a hospital spokesman, Sellers never regained consciousness. His heart simply stopped beating and all the mechanical breathing equipment he was attached to just couldn't help. His 25-year-old wife, American actress Lynn Frederick, was at his bedside when he died, and so was his 26-year-old son by a previous marriage. Sellers has been one of Britain's most popular comic actors for more than 20 years, and Hollywood made him an international superstar. A master of buried voices, he played several roles in Dr. Strangelove. He was Inspector Clouseau in a string of Pink Panther movies. And this year, he was nominated for an Academy Award for his starring role in the film Being There. Four marriages, four heart attacks, so many characters inside this one hyperactive man who once told an interviewer, I haven't a clue as to who I really am. Dan Raviv, CBS News, London. So I know be frightened of... Uh dying, people always think, you know, everyone goes <laughs> but it was just like going to sleep I sort of, you know, he was sort of dozed off Spokesman for Lennon, McCartney, Harrison and Starr said they are deeply saddened by the news On July 27th, a week after wrapping up recordings on Ringo's You Can't Fight Lightning sessions, Ringo and Barbara fly to their Los Angeles home after having a week's holiday in Nice, France. 
The next day, June 28th, Ringo and Barbara appear as special guests on the American TV show, The John Davidson Show. This is Ringo's second appearance on the program. Ringo Starr went on to be a major motion picture star and to have hit records, and he happens to be with us today. Would you welcome, please, Ringo Starr. Remember that song? How you doing? Let's sit down. Do I say Ringo or Richard? Uh, you can say Ringo. <laughs> Do your close friends call you Richard? Yes. <laughs> yeah, may I ask you about the op... Don't, don't, don't look at these. I'm okay. a, these are things that I've I'll thought of to try and talk with you about. Ringo, what, Rich, Ringo, Ringo, what is... <laughs> you have pearls in your lapel. Finger pearls. And that relates to the... Glenn Miller. Glenn Miller, yes. Of course, I should and have Barbara known. Barbara Bach. Yes. She'll be coming out soon. Barbara Bach is coming out soon. Oh, that's right. What, can Which I go, one are we on? I, I don't want to talk to... Uh, AA, AC. I don't want to uh, talk about the Beatles at all. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about your child a little bit before the Beatles. Were childhood. You, your childhood. The, you must have started somewhere. Were, were you a nice kid? I started kid? in the womb. <laughs> and then after that, you came out. Never been out in my life. <laughs> Were you a nice kid? Fabulous. ask you right off the bat. Yeah, well, <laughs> you two are having a love affair. It's easy for you to say. <laughs> is, is that uh, common knowledge? Does everybody well, know Rona about that? Barrett said it. Rona Barrett and oh, people have published it, so, so I guess it is. Yeah. How long have you, have you known each other? How did this whole thing get started? Six weeks. On the film? Oh, no, we knew each other three months on the film. See the pyramids Watch the sunrise on a tropic isle. Just remember, darling, all the while you belong to me. Well, he's one of the kindest, sweetest, most human persons I've ever met in this business. Is this Ringo Starr that we're with today? This is Ringo Starr. Is this really him? There this are many Ringo. faces during those See, he's been putting me on. He likes to have fun. Does he ever not have fun? Does Richard never not have fun? Only when Barbara gets up in a bad mood. <laughs>
Certainly an interesting personality. I hope you found that an interesting piece of television. While Ringo was on television in the United States, on the same day, July 28th, in Hamilton, Bermuda, John, Sean, Udo-san, and Fred Seaman all traveled to the airport to catch the American Airlines Flight 636 back to New York City. I couldn't wait to get back and start then. It just I suddenly had all this material. After not really trying, but not, not trying either for five years, I'd been so locked in the, the home environment and completely switched my way of thinking that I, it, I didn't really think about music at all. My guitar was sort of hung up on, behind the bed, literally. People ask me questions. I ask you for solutions. I tell them there's no problem, only confusion. Before Lennon boarded the plane, he phoned Yoko and asked her if she can book a studio and find a producer. Woke up this Yoko phoned Jack Douglas as she was familiar with him. I was coming back from Los Angeles and I got a telephone call from Yoko and she said, John and I want to go back and we'd like you to produce. So excited with the songs, you know. We knew they were going to be good. <laughs> and we had 22 songs. And, uh, and my first reaction was a hallelujah, but not because I was producing the album. And I think after I hung up the phone, I realized, wow, they've asked me to do it. I mean, that's a, a truly amazing. Jack worked as a recording engineer for John and Yoko's albums Imagine, Feeling the Space, and Approximately Infinite Universe. started working with Yoko. Now, previous to that, uh, the engineers who were working with Yoko were running out of the control room when she was starting to work. But... Uh, but I understood what she was trying to do, and it was appreciated by both John and Yoko, and we did a lot of work together.
When John and Sean returned to New York City, carrying the load of rough Bermuda demos, John's years of watching the wheels were history. After enjoying the five most contented years of his life, Lennon was ready to step out once again. Although John was eager and excited to get back into the recording studio, he was not so eager to sign a contract or agreement with any managing body. You see, the point being about me cooking and her doing the business, before we'd always had somebody come in to look after the business, and you know the story of that. Some lawyer or some accountant would come in and say, I'll handle it all for you. Since 1962, they've been handling it and had nothing but tax problems. We don't own any of the Beatles songs. We don't own any of the Beatles records. We got farthings for royalties and all the rest of it. And you sold your 25% share in Apple? No, not yet. Is it on the way? No, no. <laughs> Anyway, the point being that we didn't, we decided things. not to have an outside party, right, so therefore right. we had to look after our own stuff and face that reality. She could deal with it, so I dealt with the other side, which I could deal with. I'm a homebody. I always like to hang around the house. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are many men who feel that way about the fact that they really would like to be at home, secretive, or maybe just cook. You know, a lot of men are very good cooks, and they like to exercise that talent, but then it's supposed to be something sissy and they're not supposed to do. There's that. And also it was mentally healthy for us to just sort of exchange roles in a way, to see the other side, you know, that sort of... We believe in the sun that looks over our shoulders and brings our shadows together. Excited by the offer, Jack Douglas today, August 1st, met with Yoko and her attorney David Warmflash at the Dakota Studio One office. The meeting was to finalize Douglas's role in a contract agreement for the upcoming John and Yoko recording project. Over the next few days, Jack Douglas and John and Yoko put the word out as they sought musicians for the Double Fantasy Project. How easy was it to get musicians together? Um, oh, easy. They were panting at the doors, man. <laughs> they all couldn't wait to get in. All the ones I used to work with were sending messages, and I felt bad, but I didn't want to go back in the same bag, you know. I heard from Jesse Ed Davis and Klaus and all them, but I wanted to start really brand new. The, we only very guy, lucky, the only guy I knew was mm -hmm. Hugh McCracken who'd worked on Christmas song and maybe a couple more tracks. Producer Jack Douglas remembers. He let me put a band together. The only thing I needed was their birth dates so that Yoko could clear them uh, through numerology. What John said to me is when you put a band together, make sure that they're all around my age. And of course, John was 39 going on 40. He said wanted his contemporaries so that if he called a jam, uh, they knew the song. That was what he wanted. And the other thing he wanted was he wanted a New York-sounding rhythm section. Uh, the only thing I threw in later was Earl Slick. Threw in Earl as a wild card. I didn't have him at rehearsal. I just wanted him to come up with things on, on the fly so that there would be that little bit of danger in the arrangements. And you got Andy Newmark on drums. Yeah, who toured with George. Somebody you'd known for a fair while, I presume. No, I, yeah? I, 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 I might have met him backstage when George did some concert, uh, not in New York, across the water. I never remember the Trent or New Jersey somewhere. And I probably met him backstage. I don't remember him at all. Tony Levine, the bass player, fantastic. I didn't even know he existed. He's famous, but I didn't know he'd worked with all sorts of people. So, you know, the only guy I knew was Hugh McCracken. I'd used him. He was a New York guy. When Bowie was in his R&B incarnation at that period, uh, mid-'70s, Elstick had been his guitarist, but I hadn't met him, even though he was on the Fame album. We, we were not in the studio at the same time. With everything now in place, Jack Douglas had orchestrated some pre-production rehearsals with just the band. 
These rehearsals were set to begin in a few days. Also, on August 1st, without great fanfare, George Harrison officially forms a film company known as Handmade Film Productions Limited. Um, this, to me, this film business is, uh, it's just sort of something on the side. I don't really take it that seriously. The company was originally conceived back in 1978 when George and his attorney and manager, Dennis O'Brien, funded the Monty Python film, The Life of Brian. So I said, I don't know, I'll, uh, as a Python fan, I'd certainly like to see it made. I asked my manager, can you think of how to get them the money? And he, he came back to me in a week. He said, I think I know how we could do it. We'll be the producers. I, I can't imagine anything uh, more risky than this business. And so we mortgaged all our companies and everything, borrowed the money from the bank and did it. The mushroom healed me! I didn't touch him! I was blind and now I can see! As George said in an interview regarding the name, the name of the company came about as a bit of a joke. I've been to Wookie Hall in Somerset, near an old paper mill where they show you how to make old underpants into paper. So I bought a few rolls and they had this watermark on it that said, British Handmade Paper. So we said, we'll call it Handmade Films. Drink a toast to Handmade First handmade film scheduled to be distributed is the British gangster film titled The Long Good Friday, starring Bob Hoskins, Helen Mirren, and Pierce Brosnan. Meanwhile, back at Lennon's Dakota apartment in New York, Beatles fan Paul Gorish of Newark, New Jersey, waited for Lennon to exit the building. When he did, the two took a short walk. You know, we had gone for walks on several occasions, and sometimes they wouldn't be long at all. And I remember we were walking one day, and uh, I said to him, if it's not going to hurt our relationship, however little it is, if I could get a picture, you know. And he laughed, and he said, yeah. He says, when we're ready to go public, he said, I'll have my guy call you, and you can take all the pictures you want then. He says, because I think I'm getting ready. Continuing in a moment. John and Yoko record a new album. My love don't buy me presents. Oh no, she don't buy me presents. Only ever has to give me all the love and booze and figs and my love don't buy. Ringo continues his Can't Fight Lightning sessions. And 
and the Beatles release a new LP. Hey, it's the Beatles with their greatest ballads. Music as fresh today as it was. Yesterday. Classic Beatle hit. Next on Yesterday on Today. information or to contact the show visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com also visit at yesterdaypod on twitter and search yesterday and today podcast on facebook see you next time Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterdayandtodaypodcast or facebook.com slash thirdmen or you could head to society com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. <laughs> Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me. Oh, for God's sake.